Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Aces with love stop. Picked up by Gray. She can go coast to coast. There's three. There's two. She's going to launch from three. Chelsea Gray for three. Unbelievable. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Jackie's got it. Aces got numbers. Three on two. To Plum for three. KP, ring it up. Boom, shaka, waka, waka, boom. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. T.C. Martin. To Bay. She's open for three. She sees it. She's got the bucket. One, two, three times for Bay Bay. T.C. Martin. And you got that right. Money won't change it. Raquana. Bay Bay Williams. This is the greatest show. The ball is in the air. The Las Vegas Aces have won their very first WNBA championship. The doctor is now in. And a good Friday afternoon from Phoenix, Arizona, the Valley of the Sun. Courtside right now inside the Footprint Center, right next to Chase Field in Phoenix. It is a football slash basketball, baseball Friday. we got everything happening here. T.C. Martin here in Phoenix. My main man, Marco D'Angelo and Numchuck back in the studio in Las Vegas as we get ready for the NFL opening week. And we got it underway last night with the Chiefs and the Lions. We'll talk about that game and a look ahead to what is on tap for Sunday and Monday Night Football. Best bets are back as well, too. Trevor Maddich will be joining us for that, as well as Marco and myself. And, uh, of course, all that stuff will be up on the website at tcmartinshow.com as we get the 2023 football season officially underway. And uh, we're doing a little dual show today. After being at the Westgate Las Vegas inside the Superbook yesterday, uh, normally our Friday home, so we decided to go there yesterday and get ready for the Chiefs and Lions and what a game that did turn out to be. And I know that my tag team partner has some thoughts on that. But uh, again, a fabulous football slash basketball Friday. And the Las Vegas Aces are a half a game ahead of the New York Liberty. The Aces have two games left to play tonight and Sunday. Obviously, the Game here tonight in Phoenix, last road game of the regular season, and the Aces will play at home, actually T-Mobile Arena, on Sunday afternoon. The Liberty have one game left after they won last night in kind of a, a thriller where they had to come from behind to defeat the L.A. Sparks, but they've cut the gap now to uh, a half a game. They've got one game left to play. They'll play Washington coming up on Sunday, and the Aces will play the Mercury. So the Aces definitely need a victory tonight and a victory on Sunday to seal the deal for the number one overall seed. So a lot of excitement here around the Aces. All right. It is a Friday. My main man, Marco D'Angelo, in the house back in Vegas. What's going on, brother? Yeah, a great game last night. Did you watch it? You know, I heard this one show yesterday. (laughs) Somebody was just complaining the entire show about why did they give us the Lions and the Chiefs on the first game of the year? They could have had a Super Bowl rematch. I thought it was a pretty entertaining game. Yeah, it was. And I I figured, you know, I I give them this big introduction. Hey, how you doing, man? How you doing, brother? And what? I I get scolded. And deservedly so. That's okay. That's okay. Because we did talk about this yesterday. Like, you know what? I mean, it could be a good game. And you did say that. But again, to defend myself, and not just me, but I think 
everybody else in general would would have rather seen a Super Bowl rematch, like the people that we talked to. Uh, we would rather see that. But yeah, it turned out to be a good game. But again, how many people really tuned into that game, knowing, oh, okay, it's the Lions. Do I really want to see them against the Chiefs? But yeah, in retrospect, it turned out to be a good game. It turned out to be a really good game for you, Marco. And uh, for those people that bet on the Chiefs or even had the Chiefs on a money line, uh, not so good. But uh, yeah, the Chiefs did not look good uh, last night. But my question to you is, how good did the Detroit Lions really look? Well, it's a combination of the Lions uh, got some benefit of some breaks in the game, obviously. The pick six, you know, that'll go down in the stat log is an interception for Patrick Mahomes. He couldn't have put the ball any better than he did, right in his receiver's hands, led him where he was catching it, you know, in stride, ready to, you know, catch it and turn up field. No, hits him in the hands, worst place to hit a guy receiver, I guess. <laughs> it goes up in the air and they get the, uh, the rebound for a pick six the other way. And that was the, the changing of the momentum for the game. No question, because Kansas City should not have deserved to be winning at halftime. But they were. And then they got the ball in the third quarter. And they could have made it a two-score game uh, if they go down the field and you know punch it in or kick a field goal. It didn't happen. became a tie game. And when you have an underdog that you know gets a play like that and all of a sudden game's tied, you let them hang around, that's what happens. Uh, you can end up losing a game, and they did. The thing that impressed me the most, TC, from last night's game, it wasn't the same old Lions, okay? They made some actual defensive stops, believe it or not, and we saw a running game for the first time. When was the last time? You might have to go back to Barry Sanders to find a running game with the Lions. That's what impressed me. Those are the two things I took out of the game. Yeah, I agree with you. The momentum swing definitely was the pick six going the other way. 14-7 lead at halftime. Like you said, you have a chance to build on that. And then when the Chiefs looked like, okay, they, they could regain control here, they had to settle for a field goal to make it 17-14 instead of getting the touchdown where they'd be up seven. And then what? same thing happens. Then they add another field goal. They had to settle for three again. So now you're dealing with a six-point margin at 20 to 14, leaving the door wide open for a touchdown to beat you now. So the Chiefs had those two possessions in the second half to really kind of, you know, extend the lead and seal the deal. But again, they left the door open. And that is coupled like what you mentioned, drop passes uh, from Patrick Mahomes receivers. Okay. The pick six by Patrick Mahomes. And then again, when you don't extend drives, and then let's talk about this. I mean, the penalties, the penalties were ridiculous for the Kansas City Chiefs last night. I know a lot of people point on that, that final drive when, okay, now they got a chance. You know, they're down by one, a field goal, win the game. You just get to, you know, just past midfield and get in Harrison Butker range. That's fine. But then again, you have holding penalties and you're dealing with fourth and 25s now, but it even goes back earlier in the game when they took themselves out of scoring position and, and had to punt or put themselves in long uh, you know, third down situations because of the penalties. So yeah, penalties, drop passes. This did not look like a Super Bowl team. This looked like a team that was still trying to work out the kinks and still feeling good about themselves from you know the championship and the parade, uh, getting the rings and all that sort of thing. We see that a lot you know, in sports. Where on, you know, on ring night or the opening night, uh, this team may not win or they may not look good. But I was a little bit surprised because 
Andy Reid was guarding against all this because if you remember, Mark, when we talked about this, the Chiefs were one of those few teams that had Patrick Mahomes play in preseason games. And, you know, more so than maybe any other quarterback in the National Football League, and especially for an MVP like Patrick Mahomes. So when it was all said and done, it looked like to me that this team was not ready to play. They were kind of overlooking the Lions a little bit. And then the, the Chiefs, you know, had some, um, you know, some wounds open that, you know, that we've seen in years past where this team just, you know, can't put teams away. Uh, we talked about him yesterday not being a, a real good, uh, home favorite. And that was the case last night. But yeah, I, I will blame the Chiefs. They should blame themselves. I will give the Lions credit where credit is due. They are an improved team, no question. Uh, they've got a great wide receiver, okay? And they've got a running game that looks good. But my question here is, how good do you think Jared Goff really looked last night? Uh, he didn't set the world on fire, but he didn't make mistakes. And that's, you know, the key. And, you know, when he was at L.A., you know, I I was critical of him. A lot of people were. Maybe it's one of those cases, and we talk about it in sports, and it's like it's tough to play in the big city markets, New York, L.A. There's more pressure when you're the glamour position, you know, as he is with the quarterback. He went to a blue-collar town, uh, laid back. I don't think anybody expected him to be the quarterback that's going to put the team on his shoulder and carry them to victory. This is a, a He's a good game manager. He doesn't make the mistakes playing with Detroit and if they give him a running game if this if they sustain the running game like they had last night they're going to be dangerous because you go back and look at the games from last year with uh, the Lions you're not going to find a lot of games where they had a uh, time of possession edge of you know 32 and a half minutes uh, to uh, 27 and change for Kansas City that's not the Detroit Lions the defense was usually on the field way too much uh, in the pass and holding Kansas City to those two second half field goal drives. That was a big win for the Lions defense. And I, I give them, you know, if we're going to hand out gold stars for the performance last night, I'm going to give it to Detroit Lion defense because I've bashed them too many times and they came up big. Both teams uh, not great on third downs. Uh, Lions five for 15, the Chiefs five for 14 last night. Um, and when you look at fourth down conversions, the teams combined for one for four. Detroit, the only one that uh, converted a fourth down. And you had some good performances. You mentioned, you know, David Montgomery last night. 21 carries, 74 yards. I mean, the average is only 3.5 there, but you could see that Detroit made a concerted effort to, to run the football last night. And obviously that opens up the passing lanes. And, you know, Goff wasn't great at 22 for 35, 253 yards, had a touchdown, did not have a pick. I think that's the most important thing. And uh, when you look at Patrick Mahomes, he, you know, Goff had better numbers than Mahomes. 21 for 39, 226, two interceptions, and then the costly pick six, like we talked about. Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, I feel bad for Scott Spritzer because he had, uh, you know, over six catches for him. He had six catches, but I don't think he got one in the fourth quarter. Heck, he might not have had one in the second half and, uh, on nine targets last night for 71 yards. But Detroit looked like the moment was not too big for him last night. The moment wasn't too big and, uh, give Dan Campbell all the credit in the world. He's had an uphill battle with this team and it's still not like they have a roster full of, of great Pro Bowl talent. They don't. But it's games like this 
that can really turn a franchise around and you could start getting, you know, those free agents, you know, coming up next year or the year after because Detroit is no longer the laughing stock. And I think it's kind of funny. We've been talking about the Lions. We talk about the Browns and, you know, joking yesterday where, you know, uh, you know, Jay Cornegay was saying, Hey, you know, that'd be a great Super Bowl. I mean, it's, it's, it's laughable, but I think both of those teams are going to be much better this year. And, uh, you know, the Lions are, you know, not that far away from being a, a, a real contender, at least what we've seen, you know, for the most part last year and what we saw opening night. The other part of last night's game, uh, maybe you missed it, uh, you know, because I'm sure you were eating I missed some. everything. I was sneaking. <laughs> I, I, I saw some people, like, when I had baggage claim and they had their phones on, and I, I, so I, was, I was peeking over their, their shoulders to, to see, like, the, the final part of the fourth quarter or whatever and a little bit on the plane. But, yeah, I, I missed a lot of it last night. Well, the first quarter uh, drive, nothing-nothing game. You're playing on the road. Dan Campbell pulls a fake. And gets the first down. Uh, That is a situation where you tell your team, you know, you're rolling the dice. That could have, you know, backfired and gave Kansas City good field position in a nothing-nothing game first quarter. Uh, They ended up taking that from the conversion on fourth down and continued down the field and punched it in for the 7 nothing lead. That sends a message to your team that, I have faith in you, and that will make that team buy into him even more. Not that they aren't already. I mean, they what happened last year with this Lions team, you saw the start of it. Now we're going to see the next generation of it. They bought into a system. They believe in him. And, you know, it could be, a, you know, a special year for the Lions. But we always say, let's not overreact to one game. It's week one. You're going to, there's going to be teams that look good this week and there's going to be teams that look bad this week. And it means basically nothing for the whole season. You got to see it being carried out throughout the season. And for those that didn't think that, uh, missing Travis Kelsey, you know, or uh, Jones on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, sadly mistaken because it was a big deal. And, uh, you know, missing what those guys bring. And like I mentioned yesterday, you know, outside of Patrick Mahomes, you're losing your best player on offense. And and that hurt them last night. It it definitely did. Mahomes did not have the big numbers. We didn't see uh, any huge uh, production numbers from any of the wide receivers last night. And then again, it just begs the question here that, you know, what is going to happen to the Chiefs, you know, down the road? Because even though they, they won a championship, uh, last year, this is a team still that I think has some flaws. Uh, definitely in the defense, in the secondary, and they lost some pieces from that team last year with that. And again, you know, where is that Kansas City Chiefs running game? I mean, it was non-existent again last night. So, I mean, big picture here. Uh, I think we got, we need to look at, at other contenders in the AFC and we understand there are plenty of them. There's no question. I mean, you look at Cincinnati, you look at Buffalo, uh, you look at, you know, potentially, uh, the Chargers in their own division. Um, maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, obviously they're getting a lot of love right now as well too. But to me, the Chiefs do not look like that runaway favorite in the AFC. Well, he doesn't have a superstar wide receiver anymore. And, you know, without uh, Kelsey in the lineup last night, which, you know, we've talked about that before, you know, Kelsey to Mahomes is what Gronk was 
to Tom Brady. You know, when a play broke down, you knew where he was going to be and he, and he would get the ball to him. He didn't have that last night. He doesn't have that receiver that he can trust. And then, you know, obviously, you know, the guy that dropped, you know, bobbled the, uh, pass right on his hands and had it, you know, go up in the air for the pick six. You know, I'm not going to be rushing to go back to him with my next, uh, you know, pass, uh, you know, when you cost me, you know, a pick six the other way. We'll see what happens. I think they'll they'll be fine, but I don't think Kansas City is a foregone conclusion to run away and be playing, you know, Buffalo or somebody in the AFC uh, championship game. I think they got their work cut out for them, and they're going to have to get that chemistry between the wide receivers and, and Mahomes. All right. Um, a lot of games to talk about on the docket for Sunday. We've got a lot of small road favorites with some uh, big-time f- uh, teams that uh, should do well this year, and we're going to touch uh, on that today uh, as well as other things. And uh, we're going to talk some baseball with Bob Nightingale. He's going to join us here at the uh, bottom of the hour from the USA Today. Always great having uh, Bob on. Uh, as I'm in Phoenix, I think of Bob because he's based here. Uh, and again, the um, just esteemed writer from the uh, USA Today. So we'll talk with him today. Trevor Manich will join us during our Best Bet segment coming up uh, next hour. You'll hear from Aces forward slash guard uh, Alicia Clark, who has just been a fantastic blessing for this team, potential uh, sixth woman of the year uh, candidate uh, for the Aces. And now she's back playing and she's healthy. So uh, we'll uh, talk to her today here from uh, the arena here in Phoenix. Marco D'Angelo and Numchuk are back in the studio in Las Vegas. So we've got a plethora of uh, things uh, to talk about here. And, of course, we want to handicap not only the NFL but college football coming up on Saturday as well. But uh, breaking news from this morning is that Team USA has been eliminated in the World Basketball Championships. We talked about this on Terrible Tuesday. Numchuk, I don't want to say I told you so, but did I say... I don't like the makeup of this team. This could happen. And it didn't happen at the hands of Serbia. It happened in the hands of Germany. Yes, Germany. My Bundesliga guys. That's right. Now, if this was a World Cup or any type of football or soccer, I would understand it. Germany is a very good basketball nation. Uh, granted. Okay? But Dirk Nowitzki is not playing with this team anymore. All right? Dennis Schroeder, that's what, you, you know, it, it, he's their, their best player. And they, Team USA loses to Germany late last night, early this morning. Marco, huge upset for the Americans. And I'm just wondering how much traction, especially on a football weekend, the opening weekend that you have the NFL in week two of college football. I mean, is this going to go under the radar for media and sports fans, because this is a huge story, and again, it's a huge embarrassment. It is, but I'll tell you how far below the radar it's going to be. I've been knee deep in football and baseball for the last week. I didn't even know they lost. So there you go. That's a sample size of one. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> and, 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 and I kind of figured that, you know, and that's why I bring it up. But one thirteen, one eleven was the final in. Germany got out to to a lead. United States came back a little bit. 
But uh, United States were down double digits in the fourth. They outscored the Germans 27 to 19 in the fourth, but too little, too late. They lose 113 to 111, and now the United States will play Canada in the third place game. Uh, you know, coming up here on Sunday. They're not, not, not good, man. It just, it just is is not good. And think about this. I mean, if this was an Olympic game and we had our true, you know, dream team, but remember, these are our pros. These are not college players. Okay. This isn't the under 19s. These are NBA players. And when we had Bill Cartwright on the show the other day, he said the same thing. He said, I, it, listen, I, I don't get it. There's no bigs, but Jerry Colangelo, Steve Kerr, these guys selected this team. They selected this team. I didn't like the selection of this team, and this was a a big cause for concern. It was a possibility, and now the possibility is reality. But I think that for a lot of American fans, they've come accustomed to United States getting upset in these type of situations. So probably just going to shrug their shoulders. But still, we are the basketball capital of the world. We should feel the better team. And when you don't feel the better team, you do put your nation out there for uh, potential ridicule and insult and skepticism, and that's that's going to happen now. But do you think this would happen if you had, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and, you know, LeBron James, if you had those type of players that were on this team? No, you probably wouldn't. They'd probably be blowing teams out. But when you have basically non-All-Stars representing your country – and they're supposed to represent the best basketball players that we have, uh, it's embarrassing. So no gold medal, no silver medal, maybe a silver, maybe they won't even get a bronze medal, and they'll play Canada here in a couple of days. Yeah. It, like I said, I think uh, the soccer, the women's soccer team lost, to, you know, took more attention, you know, because everybody was talking about that when they went down. It's what it is. You've got NBA players TC that, you know, the teams that go, you know, deep into playoffs every year, they don't have much time off in the off season. And when this is scheduled, who wants to play in it? Because it doesn't, it's not that marquee item for the United States. You know, that's, that's a funny argument to me because that's like the millennial avant-garde statement to make. Because that was never the case 20, 30 years ago. That was not the case. It was, like, of course, you wanted to, to represent your country, especially when, you know, the United States and, you know, the Olympic Committee allowed, uh, professionals, you know, in the games. And you had that exact same situation in the world championships. As we know, for other countries, it is the most important thing. I mean, it's, it's their, you know, finals. It's their, uh, Super Bowl, so to speak. And for the United States to not take this serious. But here's the thing, Marco. They want to act like and pretend that it is the most important thing because they have training camp where? Here in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And they make a big deal out of it. Oh, come on out. You know, you know, watch Team USA. You think long and hard of the, the dollars that you spend behind this and the coaching staff or the head coach that you put in charge of this. All right. Jerry Colangelo, this is, you know, this is his sole job, pretty much. And so, yeah, he's got egg on his face. He's embarrassed about it. But they can't get the top players to commit to this. And I'm not buying it. I mean, most of the NBA players, they're done. 
they're done at the beginning of May. All right, and we're talking September here for a two-week tournament. Not even a two-week tournament, a 10-day tournament. And it's it's filled up with workouts and uh, a little tour to ch- try to generate some money by charging some hefty admission prices at, at different uh, uh, parts in the world and try to market this. But it's really not that big of a time commitment. So that's why I will not buy it. I mean, you... <laughs> You don't get an opportunity to represent your country very often. Once every four years in the Olympic Games, and you know, once every two years for the World Championships. So to me, it, it's a lame excuse, but people just go with it, and they think it's acceptable. And there are there are guys that would love to play in this thing and be part of this team, but unfortunately, if a superstar or two declines, then other superstar or two guys decline. You know why? Because they we're not sending our best team. I don't want to be the embarrassment. And this team will be known now as like, oh, that team that, you know, won the bronze medal or couldn't even win the bronze medal in the 2023 World Championships. They're tied to that. And that's why you're seeing more and more players be hesitant. Well, oh, Steph going? Oh, I'm not going then. And that's sad. But that's the reality. That's the NBA today. You you said 20, 30 years ago that would never be the case. Well, 20 years ago, we didn't have load management either. Nobody knew that term, okay? That's where we are with today's NBA game. You know, these guys make way, way too much money. uh, And, you know, they just don't have that same, you know, it's not for the love of the game anymore, uh, so to speak, to use a movie quote. But uh, (laughs) that's what it is. I mean, if you want to have pride, you know, you you play the game for the love of the game, you know, but it's a business. They play it for the money, and that's the bottom line. You would have maybe two, three, maybe four players who have the short summer who play in the NBA Finals, right? And again, that that extends into the the first week of June. But for the most part, you know, players on this team, uh, they're done. They're they're done in end of April or early May for the most part. So I'm just not buying. Hey, it's a long season. They need time to recuperate. They need vacation time. Do I mean? Come on. I mean, you go on a cruise for like 10 days, all right? 14 days is a long time for a cruise. Seven days is fine, okay? You want to take a plane ride and you know go to the Bahamas or somewhere else? How, how much time are you going to spend there? I mean, this vacation stuff just cracks me up. You know what I'm saying? You want to lay on a beach? You got Monday through Friday to lay on a beach, you know, in your hometown, at your nearest, uh, you know, beautiful, nice spot wherever you live. I mean, it just cracks me up. It's like, whoa, no, no, I, I need three months, four months of uninterrupted vacation time so I can tour the world. Go tour the world, represent your country, bring home a gold medal. How's that? <laughs> From the guy who's been all over the country all summer. <laughs> I maximize my time, brother. I maximize it. Make sure I get some good restaurants, some good food, some good sightseeing, you know. There it is. All right. And still manage to do the show. Gotta love that. All right, Marco, lunch today. Guy Fieri's place here, uh, located at Chase Field. Um, first time that I went, and I guess he has the same concept here in Vegas. I, I believe it's uh, the, the one that's at the link here. Yes. Yeah. I don't know if you, you've eaten there, but uh, I was very impressed with uh, with Guy's menu, except I, I, I had a little bit of a beef. And uh, if Guy was here, he'd hear about it from me. But instead, it just... Had to be a lowly, I think, assistant manager or maybe just a server. 
What did you send back? (laughs) I didn't send it back. It's the item that was on the menu that I could not get. So I'm perusing the menu. Numbchuck. Peruse up the menu, okay? Guy Fieri's uh, downtown Phoenix location, all right? Now, you look at this menu, and I'm going, okay, burgers. Sounds like this, you know, it's, it's, it's his comfort food, um, you know, mold that he does here. He has a different, bunch of different concepts. So this concept is the comfort food. So the burgers are outstanding. And then, of course, you have highlights on the menu, like the trash can nachos. Okay. Okay. We'll get the trash can nachos. We'll, we'll go ahead and start with that because that's a signature deal. Okay. So I go, wait a minute. Old school New York steak sandwich. So, you know, that got my attention. So the menu description is it is New York steak sliced. Okay. On this, some fabulous, you know, hoagie roll or whatever, you know, whatever he's got going with the donkey sauce, which I guess he's famous for with the, uh, crispy onions and you know, all this other kind of stuff. I was like, Oh my goodness. This, this sounds great. Right. I got to have that. All right. So then he's got the several burgers that are like to die for burgers and they're like smashed burgers and blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, with a hundred percent, you know, great ground beef. I'll, okay, great. All good. So the guy comes over and says, okay, so what do I got to get here? You know, he goes, well, you know, trash can nachos. Yep. That's done. And, um, he goes, burgers are great. We got a, 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 this, that, that. And I said, okay, here's what I'm zooming in. The New York steak sandwich in the burgers. I go, which way should I go with that? He goes, two great choices, except you're relegated to one today. <laughs> I go, what? He goes, that's terrible. We're out of steak. <laughs> what? You're out of steak. Yeah. But tell you what, let me go back and talk to the chef and see if there's still any left. But what I heard this morning was, get this, you'll love this, Marco, for being a food, a food guy and a steak provider guy like in, in your previous life. Okay, you'll love this. He says, I was told early this morning that, um, you know, we were out of steak, but they were talking about thawing some more out. Oh, no. (laughs) Yes. No. I go, so right then and there, I was going to say stop right now. But he starts heading back to the kitchen. And I hear him, right, because there's no one in this restaurant. Hey, Hey, uh, guy out here wants a steak sandwich. Are we going to have steak today? Nah, not thought out yet. Uh, tell him no steak today. <laughs> Sorry, uh, no steak today. I go, okay. What's the next choice? Oh, you got to have the pulled pork. I go, okay, fine. Let's go. I was jonesing for this steak sandwich. Because, number one, you can't really get a, a really good open-faced steak sandwich anymore. You and I have had this conversation before, and we've, we've dined at a couple of different places. But this is New York, and it's sliced, and it's got guy's name on it. So I'm going, this has got to be great. I'm looking at the picture right now. Yes, it does look good, but I have taken you to someplace here in Vegas that has a good uh, steak sandwich with a legitimate full New York strip on a good bun, but somebody's a little too fussy. <laughs> that was not that high quality of New York steak of what, uh, what what guy is preaching. I'm just saying, and you know that's true, you know. But then again, who knows what's frozen back there? I don't know. I don't know what, you know. I don't know they went to Safeway and, you know, didn't get it frozen. I have no idea. But that's the first time 
it, again, at a celebrity chef's restaurant? Did I heard that excuse? Yeah, I'm not not a big fan. You know, I have frozen steaks in my freezer only because, you know, I get, you know, big bulks, uh, mm-hmm. you know, order sometimes from some clients and, and such. But I'm a guy, I always like to go, if we're going to grill, I'll tell, you know, mm-hmm. I'll say, Lori, I'm heading to the store. We're going to grill tonight. I want fresh, even though I have stuff exactly. in the freezer. Yeah. That's when I don't have anything mm-hmm. else. How good is this, though? He's got a restaurant inside a sports book. Okay, at Chase Field. I mean, get the best of all worlds there inside a major league baseball park, sports book, and restaurant all in one. Pretty yeah. cool concept. Pretty cool concept. And like I said, if you would have gotten the steak, looks good. I did not need to know that they had to thaw it out. No, no. Uh, that, I mean, you didn't see that picture, so I went with a pulled pork. Uh, the pulled pork. Well, I'm, but I'm looking at the steak, uh, the steak sandwich. I, not knowing that it was frozen, that's something that I wouldn't have wanted to know. Wait, I don't I know what you're ordered. looking at. I'm not. Uh, there, I didn't post a steak sandwich. I posted. I'm the on nachos. their web. I'm on their, oh, on their, their website. Their, their website. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so tease me. How good does it look? It does, looks good. Yeah, it looks amazing. See, uh, see thank you. Yeah. So I thought he said he was looking at my post. Okay, no, I'm sorry. No. Uh, wow. Why would, I, why would I want to look at your? <laughs> Yo, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. Obviously, you didn't look at it. Really. T. Give me a break. Yes. This story just brought back what we were supposed to bring up. Yes. What did you have for dinner during the weekend? <laughs> what I have for dinner during the weekend? I think it was Monday you were having it or Sunday. Oh, on the holiday. Yeah, buddy. The Wagyu burgers. The, the frozen, Wagyu burgers. The frozen Wagyu burgers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, nails. Very good. Except, Marco, I don't, well, I don't know if, if you grill Wagyu burgers or anything Wagyu, because we should go to the restaurants for that. But I've noticed that I get, uh, the two times I've done this, I really get a big flame. And I don't know if it's because of the Wagyu burgers or what, but I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting way too big a flame and I got to be very careful of it not turning out well done. But, uh, no, very good, very juicy, uh, endorsement. Big hey, time. So when did you get those burgers? I got those burgers, as you know, f- uh, from a loyal listener, probably a couple months ago, right? So they've been sitting in your freezer for that long. Mm, pretty accurate. But remember, this is so, the second time. This is the second. Why do you want to put me on blast here? So hold on. You could have asked them to thaw the, the thaw that steak bur- steak out, and you could have gotten it. It would have been the exact same thing. I asked the guy. I asked the guy. Well, how long would I take? Because you know, I'm meeting somebody else here. I'm going to be here for a little bit. And he goes, "Oh no, no, no! It's you know, end of the day." And then when he came back, you know, he said, "No steak today." That was a soup Nazi. He got this guy was a steak Nazi. No steak today. No soup for you. <laughs> That's it. Bob Nightingale is up next. He's a Mr. Phoenix guy. I'll ask him about this in Major League Baseball pennant races. Coming up next, it is a fabulous Friday. T.C. Martin in Phoenix, Marco D'Angelo and Numchuk in Vegas. Hello, I'm Stephanie. I'm from Germany. Yippee, yo, Schweinebacke. When I'm in America, I'm listening to T.C. Martin Show. Back here inside the Footprint Center, getting ready for the Aces and the Mercury tonight. The final home game for the uh, Mercury, and then these two teams will travel to Las Vegas for the final regular season game, and it'll be at T-Mobile Arena. Get your tickets at access.com for the Aces and the Mercury, the final regular season game. Fan appreciation day. It'll be 12 noon on Sunday, and this arena sold out for tonight's game between the Aces and the Mercury, even though the Mercury struggling this year at 9-29, but of course the Aces 
uh, on their way towards the number one seed at uh, 32-6 n right now. Two games left to play. All right. I am in Phoenix. Marco D'Angelo and Numchuck back in Vegas. And uh, joining us now, a Phoenix resident. And uh, I can't believe he's not on the road right now. He could be at a major league ballpark near you. But uh, great to have him on with us, with us today. Of course, the esteemed writer, as I like to say, from the USA Today, covers Major League Baseball, Bob Nightingale. Bob, what's going on, my friend? Yeah, doing great. Thanks, DC. Hey, buddy. All right, man. So, uh... We've got pennant races uh, galore here, especially over in the American League West. And just about, uh, you know, four or five days ago, we thought we had a legitimate race with Houston, Texas, and Seattle. Looks like one team kind of took themselves out of this after the Astros blasted the Rangers in that three-game set. They swept them, outscored them 39-10. to Where do you think the Rangers are right now, Bob? Well, it's only the outside looking in, T.C. I'm not sure they're going to make the playoffs. I mean, they're really in a tailspin. Uh, the bullpen has just absolutely crumbled. Uh, they've been hit by some injuries, too. We'll see. And they're certainly not going to win the uh, AL-, AL West. We know that. Uh, I still think it's the Astros, the Astros division to uh, lose. Uh, I like Seattle over, you know, over Texas, too. So I'm not sure Texas gets in. I think it might come down between uh, – the Rangers and uh, in, in Toronto. Yeah, you look at the collapse there, you know, Bob. It, it just uh, for me, I don't think it's it, it's that much of a surprise because we had talked earlier in the year that once Houston gets healthy, and um, you know, and Texas is a team that just has not been in this position before, you know, really as a franchise. And we know that they play for that silver boot award, uh, this rivalry between the Astros and the Rangers, and the Astros have won it year after year, and they won it again this year. And uh, it was, I know it was really big to Dusty Baker and this team because in case there was a tiebreaker, you know, the Astros would have the advantage. But to me, when I'm watching this series and the, watching the Rangers over the last couple of weeks, it just seems to me, Bob, that this is a team that – the stage is almost too big, uh, especially against a, a team like the Astros. And you look at those guys, the looks on their faces and the dugout and even Bruce Bochy. I mean, the, the the pitching really came to light or the lack thereof, and especially the bullpen. And, yeah, I agree with you. And for me, it looks like the Rangers are, are done. But for a lot of people out there, they're going to be a little surprised because this team basically led almost wire to wire. Yeah, I mean, they had a just – Hit the wall with the uh, with the pitching injuries. They have six all stars, you know, five on the injury list. Uh, just not the same team. And uh, and they got brought in Scherzer. He has struggled, you know, down the stretch here. But the bullpen, I mean, the bullpen's been woeful. And uh, you know, starters aren't going deep, so they have to go to the bullpen. Those guys have just been getting lit up. So they just uh, kind of, I just kind of ran out of uh, firepower here. Mm-hmm. So now you talk uh, about the Astros, and they're healthy, really, for the first time this year, not just from a pitching perspective, but you get Michael Brantley back and uh, Jose Altuve and Jordan Alvarez all all together now. And now this lineup is looking like the lineup that they had you know, anticipated at the beginning of this year. And to talk a little bit about this lineup coming together and specifically what Michael Brantley means to this team. Yeah, and they certainly could have used him uh, all year. You know, he's a nice, a uh, you know, nice bat that they have. Uh, they need, you know, need more lefty bats. So uh, 
I think, you know, they're, they're probably clicking now more than ever. I mean, he's got swept too by the Yankees before they uh, swept the Rangers. But the American League is so wide open, and there's no reason in the world why they can't go into their seventh straight ALCS and, and be favored to get to the World Series again. Uh, there's no, you know, there's just no super team in the American League. Mm-hmm. Bob Nightingale joins us, USA Today. T.C. Martin in Phoenix, Marco D'Angelo back in our studio in Las Vegas. Hey, Bob, a question for you on another team. We've got the Yankees, who they started to win a few games here after that horrendous slide. But for a team that's a perennial playoff team or in the hunt every year and to be out of it like they are, uh, this is a team from a betting standpoint, which that's what we do here in Vegas. I don't trust them going down the stretch because this is a team of veterans that, you know, almost a sense of entitlement that they're supposed to be at the top of the uh, division. Do you see this team uh, the final few weeks of the season, uh, you know, putting a fork in them and be have them being a fade? Well, they're playing better now with the young kids. So I think the young kids have brought a sense of energy, uh, judges back. And I, I think the players know they're kind of fighting for uh, Aaron Boone's job. If they just uh, crumble down the stretch, I, I think they fire Aaron Boone. If they play well down the stretch, then I think they uh, they may save his job. So they're playing better baseball now just because the young kids. So, I mean, they're not making the playoffs. I mean, that was kind of silly uh, – Stuff coming from New York as far as thinking they're back in it. You know, they're not back in it. They'd have to go undefeated. That's not happening. Uh, but no, I, I, I think they're still going to win their share of games. I, I still think they'll be over 500, uh, you know, down the stretch here. Bob, talk a little bit about the Seattle Mariners and how much of a threat you think that they are not only to the Astros in the AL West, but just long term uh, as far as how far they could go in the playoffs. It reminds me just like a year ago where, you know, I remember talking to uh, the Astros and Dusty Baker, and you know, Seattle Mariners scared them to death. I mean, Seattle could have won that series very easily last year. Just that pitching is so dominant. You know, when you got Luis Castillo, uh, you know, when you got Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, you know, those guys are nasty guys. Uh, so they're, they're, they're dangerous. Uh, I don't think they're as good as uh, Houston in uh, a few other teams. But with that pitching, you, you can't rule them out. Right? So it re- really reminds me just like a year ago. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move over to the National League. And seems like foregone conclusion, it's Atlanta, it's the Dodgers. Uh, give me some thoughts on how you think this plays out, and let's specifically talk about those Atlanta Braves. Well, Atlanta's a clear-cut favorite. Uh, you know, the American League is kind of muddled. I mean, Atlanta's a team that beat. Uh, you know, the Dodgers, you know, now you don't have Walker Bueller coming back to the playoffs. You're not going to have Julio Urias, uh, there. Uh, Kershaw struggling coming back, you know, with, with his injury. So it's hard to see them getting past Atlanta. It's kind of hard to see anybody getting past Atlanta. Uh, Atlanta can be beat. I mean, their, uh, their pitching can be, uh, you know, up and down with that rotation. And a lot of times, you know, the lineup, doesn't mean uh, anything in the postseason. A lot of those lines get shut down, but they're they're a po- powerful team. You know, Phillies playing some decent baseball right now, but they're still 14 games back. Obviously, not catching the Braves, and you're battling in that wild card uh, situation. And you still got um, you know the Cubs and the Brewers. Uh, Reds barely is still alive a little bit here. Um, Diamondbacks behind the Dodgers. Uh, anybody? 
of those teams, any one of those teams you think could actually maybe pull off an upset and knock off either the Braves or the Dodgers? You know, and the Brewers are kind of like Seattle. I mean, they don't have that great pitching. When you have uh, Corbin Burns or Bannon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta, uh, you give yourself a chance. Gavin Williams is a closer. So I think that's one team that could, uh, you know, surprise everybody in, in the National League. Uh, you know, the Diamondbacks are short on pitching. Um, same with the Cubs, same with the Reds. Uh, you know, nice little stories to get in there. But I think, you know, of all the teams in the National League, the Brewers are the only team that has a legitimate chance, I think, to knock those guys off. You know, back to the American League, uh, the Baltimore Orioles, uh, 88 and 51 right now. Uh, a great story there in the American League East. And we've kind of seen this team start to build over the last few seasons. And again, it's coming to fruition here. But it still doesn't seem like a lot of people are talking about them or taking them seriously. Uh, make a case for the Baltimore Orioles going deep. Hey, that's a very good team. I just saw these guys, and they played the game hard. Um, Felix Batista, I saw where he was working out today. If he could somehow come back, That'd be a massive, massive uh, you know game for that team. I mean, this guy is uh, unbelievable. Uh, you know, he's like the best reliever in baseball, so he got hurt here. So uh, young, aggressive uh, uh, offense. You know, the pitching you know isn't quite there, but they're dangerous. I mean, they could uh, surprise people. Uh, they could easily get to the ALCS. And the thing about them, they're going to be around. I mean, this is uh, kind of a carbon copy of the Houston Astros. Where once you're in, you know they should stay in for the next six or seven years. All right, then Tampa Bay. And you mentioned uh, Toronto. Uh, you know, still right there as well too. Uh, could be crazy that we see you know three AL East teams in the postseason. Yeah, I mean uh, Tampa Bay. You know, always surprises everybody. Even one or Franco out. You know, they're, they always uh, do something. Toronto. You know, they kind of underachieved all year, but they certainly have the talent to scare anybody. If they ever just put it together, there's no reason in the world why they couldn't, uh, you know, uh, surprise some teams and end up in the LCS themselves. You know, now you just got a, uh, you know, Dante Bichette back too, so that helps. Uh, you know, dangerous team on paper, but, you know, they just underperformed all year. We got the news the other day. I mean, nothing official, but we heard Terry Francona uh, saying, "Hey, you know, it, it's enough. He's more than likely going, you know, to retire. Um, he's been with the Cleveland Indians the last few years. Guy won two World Series. Uh, what do you think the main reason is for Francona deciding now is the time to step down? Is it is it pure health wise or other factors in there as well too? Well, certainly health." I think, you know, the season's worrying on him, and maybe he's thinking, you know what, it's going to be tough to win next year, too. Uh, uh, he was not happy when they gave up the trade deadline. The players were furious. They're only game out. I know they had injuries. It doesn't look like they were going to go far in the playoffs. But you make the playoffs, anything can happen. But I think that stung him a little bit. And maybe stings in that, okay, I know we're not going to go out and get some big-time free agents in the offseason. So maybe you saw the handwriting, like, I don't want to, stick around here for two or three years and kind of babysit these guys, you know, let someone else take over. Final thing, Bob, uh, Shoei Otani, where is he going to end up? What's the most likely scenario? The most likely scenario still is the, is the Dodgers, you know, 
they love uh, you know getting him as a brand. That's what he is. is a is a big brand. Uh, I don't rule out the Angels. I really don't. Uh, guys are comfortable there. You know, I mean, look at nobody thought Mike Trout was going to stay there too, and he stayed there. So he's kind of a home buddy. Uh, if he thinks they have a chance to win or be competitive, like they were for a long time this year, so maybe he stays. Uh, the only other teams I really give relationship to it would be uh, Seattle and the San Francisco. Seattle, to me, I mean, San Francisco to me would make a lot of sense. They have a lot of money that they haven't given out to people. Uh, you know, everybody just keeps turning them down. And they need an attendance boost. And this city hasn't been the same since COVID. Uh, attendance has dropped there and everything else. So they, they need some help. All right. Bob Nightingale does a fantastic job, of course, with the USA Today. Uh, Bob, where are you headed to? What do you get, what's your calendar looking like here down the stretch run? Yeah, uh, yeah, busy time. Heading over to uh, a little Colorado action, a little uh, Houston, Chicago. Uh, so going to see the preview of maybe the ALCS with the Astros and Orioles mm-hmm. uh, in a couple of weeks. And then, uh, yeah, then here comes the playoffs. There we go. All right, my friend. Uh, always appreciate the time and look forward to see you, uh, seeing you in person. Hopefully we'll meet up again in Houston. All right. Look forward to it. Take care, TC. Enjoy you got it, buddy. There he is. All right. Uh, Bob Nightingale, who lives here in Phoenix and does a fantastic job, like we said, with the USA Today. So, Marco, we, we talked a lot about, you know, the AL West yesterday and then getting Bob's thoughts there. Um, we've, we've got that Astros and uh, Mariners series that's going to be coming up here in a couple weeks. But we got some big weekend series this weekend. Who you got your eyes on? You got any Major League Baseball action tonight? I do. Actually, while uh, we're in break, I just uh, loaded a free play for my clients uh, tonight in uh, for Wager Talk. I took the Padres' first five innings against the Astros. In my thought process there, uh, Blake Snell, the way he's pitching versus Hunter Brown, I think that's kind of a pitching mismatch. By going five innings, I don't have to worry about the bullpens. And I also and I think this is the bigger part. Houston's ripe for a letdown tonight after sweeping Texas. If there's one game that they might come out a little fat and sassy, it's going to be this one, and you got Hunter Brown on the mound. This is the one the Padres, if they're going to take one, this is the one they get. But I'm not going full game because I don't trust the, the bullpen there. I'm going to go Blake Snell, first five innings. Yeah, um, I think conventional wisdom would say, okay, team just swept the – Texas Rangers, like we said, scored 39 runs during that series, but they've been on such a tear. I uh, do not see having this team having a letdown whatsoever. That, that's not going to happen. But what could happen is could Blake Snell shut them down? And Blake Snell has not shut them down in the past. And Blake Snell is kind of a, a weird anomaly for me. I mean, this is a guy who's talked about the favorite uh, being the Cy Young Award winner. Now, he's playing on a, on a team that is not very good. Uh, his ERA is excellent at 2.50. There's no, he has over 200 strikeouts, but his record is 12 and 9. And we've seen Blake Snell be prone to some, you know, blow up performances, especially against good teams. And I'm not saying that's going to happen tonight, but I just, uh, you know, Hunter Brown, for me, that's the key right there. I mean, if Hunter Brown is going to, um, you know, give up a, a lot of hits and, 
He's going to pitch to contact, which he tends to do. He'll get the strikeouts, but he tends to pitch to some contact as well, too. It could be dangerous. But, you know, this Padre team just doesn't scare me. And it'd be very hard for me to bet on the Padres, even with Blake Snell on the mound. But you can't go against the Astros. I mean, this is the hottest team in baseball, and they're so rejuvenated and so fired up right now because they are completely healthy now. And when you look at that lineup, basically, from 1 to 9, when you have Martin Maldonado, who's actually contributing, and he's probably not going to be in the lineup tonight. They're going to go with Diaz. But, uh, yeah, it's it, it, it's hard to even fathom that um, you could actually you know try to handicap for this team particularly where they're at right now, meaning that they've been climbing uphill all year, and now they finally got there, and now they want to put the pedal to the metal to uh, to continue on here. This, this team is fired up, so it's hard to kind of handicap a, a letdown for me with them. I'm going first five innings is all I got to do. And I look at Blake Snell's pitching lines. Do you know the last time that he gave up more than three runs in an outing? It's been a while. (laughs) You got to go back all the way back to uh, May, the beginning of May. No, I'm not doing it. First five. Padres. I could say it. it. No, I'm not arguing with you. Like I said, you know, Blake Snell has... Has been their guy, and uh, he could be your Cy Young Award winner in the National League. We'll see what happens. All right, appreciate Bob Nightingale from, for joining us from the USA Today. Next hour coming up, we got best bets. Don't you dare go anywhere. Our three best college plays, three best NFL plays. That's right. The best bet segment is back. We've got that going on and a whole lot more coming your way. Plus, you're going to hear from Alicia Clark here in the Footprint Center in Phoenix as the Aces get ready to take on the Mercury here tonight. In the entertainment capital of the world, the world. Touchdown, Las Vegas. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show. Airs it out down the middle for Adams. Got it. Inside the 10. Touchdown. What a play on fourth down. It's time to get your daily prescription. Prescription. From the doctor. One of the National Football League underway last night with the Detroit Lions pulling the upset over the Kansas City Chiefs 21 to 20. Under players, that was good for you, right? Lions players, that was good for you. Well, handicap week one and all the big games. We got that this hour, plus our best bets. That returns three best college plays, three best NFL plays from our esteemed crew back this year. Marco D'Angelo, Scott Spritzer, our handicapper extraordinaires, Trevor Maddich, and Gilba the intern. Why did we let Gilby the intern back? I don't know. I mean, his picks are definitely intern-esque, but that's okay. We love the G-Man. So all those picks up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. We'll talk college football, NFL this hour, and aces. I am in Phoenix at the Footprint Center, home of the Phoenix Mercury and the Phoenix Suns. 
And the Aces are taking on the Mercury. Sold out tonight. 7 o'clock will be tip-off. 6.30 pregame show. You can join me down the dial. We're on Fox Sports Radio tonight, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. We'll have the play-by-play for you tonight. And uh, here in Phoenix, it'll be uh, the last road game for the Aces. And then they'll close out the regular season with a home game at T-Mobile Arena Fan Appreciation Day. That is at T-Mobile on Sunday at 12 noon. And uh, the Aces in action tonight. And they lead the New York Liberty by a half a game right now. Liberty have one game left to play. They'll play Washington this weekend. Aces after tonight will have one game left against the Mercury. So definitely advantage Aces. But they win both. Uh, they will lock down the number one seed, which is huge. All right. So we've got that to talk about that well uh, as well. Alicia Clark is in the house. So she's going to come up here and join us here in a few minutes. And uh, Alicia Clark is having a fantastic season. And uh, sixth woman of the year honors could be on her way. Just a fantastic addition for uh, the Aces. Got to love it. All right, before we get into that, though, let's talk uh, some NFL football. And, uh, Marco, give me some games here that uh, you've got your eye on here. And I, I definitely want to talk with you about the Pittsburgh Steelers because I know how you feel about this team and you follow them very, very closely. They have a tough home opener, but they are getting a lot of love, not only from betters but from media personnel alike, thinking that, okay, this could be a very big season. For the steel curtain, because you have Kenny Pickett in his second season, and you know they've got a very good wide receiving core. You know that you got Najee Harris in the backfield. So, give me some thoughts on the Steelers as they get ready to host the San Francisco 49ers, and the Niners come in as a two and a half point favorite. Yeah, TC, I've got a lot of teasers working with the Steelers because the one thing about the Steelers, and you know this over the years, when they do lose games, they generally do not get blown out. This is a team that doesn't self-destruct, and they play good defense. The strength of the offense this year, and this is something they haven't had for um, several years, this is the best offensive line the Steelers have had, and they actually have depth at the position. Uh, we've seen in the past few years where they'd lose a lineman and then uh, they'd have to juggle the offensive line, have guys playing out of their natural, you know, not in their natural position, and they just had no continuity. That's going to be key uh, for Kenny Pickett. Now, the problem with the Steelers, and I'm hoping that they open it up because they took a lot of grief last year, Matt Canada, the OC. Um, that his offense was just too plain, and it was frustrating the players and uh, the fans especially who were very vocal back in Pittsburgh. But they catch the 49ers at the perfect time. You got Brock Purdy, first game of the new season. This is a different thing. Last year when he came in, there was no pressure on him. You know, he was Mr. Irrelevant. We made fun of him. He was the last person drafted. But now um, there is expectations to lead this team. We catch the break. Uh, you know, they signed Bosa late, but he's go, he's, they said today he's going to play. How effective is he going to be missing the entire uh, preseason? So I, I like the Steelers. I like them plus the two and a half. I like them even better on a teaser up to eight and a half with the six points. Yeah, this, this is a game that did not make my best bet card because I was kind of, kind of torn. And from a fantasy football perspective, I actually have the, the Steelers defense. So I'm very curious about them because I think their defense is going to be very, very strong this year. And anytime you have T.J. Watt anchoring that defense, I mean, look out. But, yeah, 
this is a team that, uh, as we know, they haven't finished b- below 500 forever. Um, can they do it again? I think so. And I think uh, even though they don't have a lot of superstar power, that uh, they can be dangerous. And I've loved Najee Harris. I mean, going back to his time at Alabama, that was a great draft pick by the Steelers. Uh, they've got another running back behind Harris that is that is rock solid as well, too. I think San Francisco is a mystery, and you can't put much into the preseason because San Francisco is awful in every game they had this year. Brock Purdy didn't get too many snaps. Maybe he should have. I don't know what to expect with, with the 49ers. I think they're going to be a solid team. I think they are energized because you got your defensive leader back who just signed, uh, you know, the richest contract for a non-quarterback, uh, you know, from a position player. He's, it's the richest. So they're going to be fired up with that. I think, I don't know if Bose is going to be able to contribute or not. You know, obviously it's a marathon. That's what the 49ers are thinking. It's like, okay, let's get this guy back into shape, but it is a tough assignment for the Niners to go cross country and play this you know, improve Steelers team. But I think, you know, you look at the talent on the Niners side, especially on the offensive side of the ball, it, it, it's intriguing. And like I said, I understand why San Francisco is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, but uh, it's going to be hard for me to, to pull the trigger on either side of this game. Especially what they need to do successfully to help Purdy is you got Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. That's the the key to the 49ers. The one thing that the Steelers do well is, you know, they can stop the run. Uh, the front the defensive front line and the linebacker core is the strength of the Steelers. Outside of uh, Fitzpatrick in the secondary, that's the weak link. Uh, and I just don't see, you know, Brock Purdy being able to, you know, exploit that. The New Orleans Saints are a three-point favor at home against Tennessee. Saints fans are pretty excited. I'm excited to see Derek Carr and how he is going to perform under this offense. And, you know, the knock on Carr for his time with the Raiders was he's always, you know, going through a, a different offensive coordinator, different coaching staff, and there were always there was no continuity whatsoever. Now he's got to learn uh, another offense. However, one of the reasons why he signed with the Saints because he wanted to play for his old coach, Dennis Allen, who was with the Raiders. And so there's some chemistry there, and obviously there's some familiarity there. Cars look good in the offseason, or rather uh, in the preseason. And what we've seen, whether you want to put stock into that or not, that's one thing. But I just see a rejuvenated guy who really wants to not only stick it to the Raiders, but I think he wants to prove to the NFL that, hey, I still got something left in the tank. And this, this Saints team could be flying under the radar a little bit. I agree with you. The only thing I don't like in this first game is I actually thought the line would be a little bit higher. The The fact that it's sitting there on the three um, just gives me pause on it. I like the Saints. I think they win that division. Uh, and what you said about you know Derek Carr, this is absolutely his season to play with a chip on his shoulder and every game for him is going to be a statement game. Uh, and I think that's, that's good. You like to see, you know, ride somebody that's got something to prove. And he definitely does. And let's face it, he's got a much better defense down there, uh, you know, than he had here. You know, when you were here, you, you knew you had to score 30 points to win, you know, cause the Raiders were giving up too many points. He's not going to be in those kind of shootouts there in New Orleans. But we'll see if the the Saints can stay healthy at the wide receiver position. That's been a problem the last couple of years. Um, you got the problems with the running back, you know, missing time. So uh, long term, I like the Saints. Short term this week, I'm probably not going to get to the window in that game. 
Speaking of the Raiders, uh, on the road against the Denver Broncos, Sean Payton, the former Saints coach, is there trying to resurrect some life and some success into this franchise that has just been miserable and have not been in the playoffs for uh, quite a long time. How do you see the Raiders and the Broncos? And did you do much handicapping on this game? Yeah, I like the Raiders in this one. This will be you know one of the few spots that I will actually say I like the situation for the Raiders because as much as I like Sean Payton, it's game one. Okay, he's going to fix this team, but it is not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a little bit of time. Uh, everybody's expecting Russell Wilson to be turned on like a light switch that, you know, he was, you know, put to sleep last year with uh, Hackett in his offense. We'll see what happens there. But you've got Jimmy Garoppolo. Like him or not, when you look at the games that this guy has started, he has one of the better win-loss percentages of starting quarterbacks in the NFL, yet he never gets any you know, nobody praises him. Nobody talks about him is, you know, an uh, all-star quarterback, a future Hall of Famer, because, you know, hasn't won that big game. And, you know, he's always had players around him. We'll see what happens here. He's got, a, you know, one of the best wide receivers in the game, Devontae Adams, to get him the ball. But uh, he's going to have to, what I just said about Derek Carr and having to play where you've got to actually score points, that's going to be the case this year because the Raiders, although they addressed problems, I have to see it work on the field that we have a better defense. You surprised that the Broncos are the favorite here, a three and a half? No, not at all. Not because there's so much hype with, with Sean Payton and he's turned around, you know, remember when he went to the Saints, you know, what he did there. Uh, this is you know, one of the best coaches in the NFL and people are buying into that and they're giving Russell Wilson a pass for last year. You know, if Russell Wilson, you know, sucks this year like he did last year, you know, you're going to have to backpedal on everybody that uh, criticized, you know, Coach Hackett, you know, which I was at the forefront. I, I thought he was over his head. There's some guys that, and we've seen it and we've talked about it before, they're great coordinators. They just don't make that transition to a good head coach. And I think it could be a little surprising that the Broncos are a three-and-a-half point favorite. I know they're at home, but again, this team has not had success. And the one team that the Raiders have had success against, and huge success, has, has been against the Broncos. The Raiders have swept the season series the last three seasons. They've won their last six games against them, and some of those are, are even in blowout fashion, Marco. So I could see where you know the Raiders would you know, really have some perceived added value here. And I'm telling you, I'm going to be on the Raiders on a teaser. I I knew you would be there for the teaser. You're going to you're, the traditional teaser, or are you going to try to find the old 10-point teaser? Well, I mean, have you done your homework yet? I no. mean, I, I put you on the case here. I, I don't, You have not told me if anyone is left standing. It seems like, you know, we've all, you know, we've, we've taken out. Us teaser players, us sharp teaser players, have shot down all the books. They won't take our action anymore at 10 points. So please find that for me. Well, maybe you should shop around there while you're in Arizona <laughs> because they, they have a lot of options. Yeah, but I think if I make a bet in Arizona, don't I have to cash my ticket here in Arizona? You'll be back there. Yeah, I'll be back here for what? Hold on. It's like a four-hour drive. Oh, my God. Do you hear what you're saying? I'm, I'm supposed to drive back to Arizona to, to cash a teaser ticket. I don't even know if uh, – this sports book where I'm at here that has that. I mean, 
You're, you're the professional, Marco D'Angelo. You're supposed to you're supposed to have 18 apps on your phone. Uh, you know, you've got your big screen there, like a weatherman and a meteorologist. I think you would, you know, you could circle her. Oh, there's your 10 point teaser, TC. Go get it. Yeah. No, I'm going to have to go with a seven point teaser. But I, I feel, come on, ten and a half yeah. with the Raiders. You don't like that? I like it. I like the Raiders plus the three and a half. So okay. obviously, I like a plus okay, ten then. and a half. There you go. <laughs> All right, uh, Eagles. Against the Patriots. We saw the Chiefs have a little bit of the letdown last night. Um, teams that have gone to the Super Bowl the next year don't usually respond too well. It is the Patriots. They're not the same team, but still a tough place to play. And the Patriots are getting four at home. Any thoughts? I have a lot of thoughts if somebody would have read my best bet list. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> See? 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 I just saw it. I just saw it. Save it. Fine. Okay. Give. Give. Okay. <laughs> now you just have to tease it and tell everyone you have to hang around for a half hour. Yeah, you go. got to hang around for a half hour for <sighs> handicapper extraordinaire. But while while since you segued and opened the door on the best bets, um, I, I have a little bone to pick with you, and we need to clear it out right now before we get to the best bet section. Go. Because you know, whenever you cherry pick these, you know, games throughout the season that we had food bets on, mm-hmm. you know, which you know. Seems like you always, you know, the John Q. Public play that you had finds its way home that week. John Q. Public play. Listen, why do you have to insult? Why can't you just say, I'm sorry I lost to you, man? I mean, come on. So what I want to do is I, I am throwing down a challenge to you. Three food bets before the season starts. We will have our in-season food bets because we know the two of us like to eat a lot. Yes. But we are going to have a food bet for... Who has the most points between me and you on NFL best bets, Okay. college best bets, so that's two food bets, Mm -hmm. and then the combined total of the college and pro who has more points at the end of the season. So that's three separate food bets. Do you accept the challenge, T.C. Martin? I will accept the challenge, Marco, but remember... We are going to have some regular weekly food bets if oh, yeah. if we're on opposite sides. If oh, absolutely. Right. Okay. Yes. Yes. As soon as you jump on one of those John Q. Public plays and I'm on the sharp side, we'll have it. <laughs> Look at this guy. He's on the sharp side, and I'm John Q. Public. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. This this comes from a guy who is 30 over 500 in Major League Baseball, and I'm John Q. Public. How many of those were the Astros? Many. <laughs> And guess what? They cash the same way, brother. All right, let's make some room for uh, one of the uh, best uh, Aces players. I mean, there's so many great Aces players uh, on this team, as we know. But uh, she has been a fantastic blessing uh, to not only watch and to call the play-by-play, but just uh, she's she's fantastic. And uh, she joins us now. Join me now, Aces guard slash forward, all the above, Alicia Clark. AC, what's happening? What's happening, TC? All good here. Hey, let's talk a little bit about the last game over the weekend against Seattle. You're coming off a 16-point performance. How good did that feel? Um, I mean, it felt great, you know, just to be able to see the ball go in the basket, um, be able to kind of get our flow back as a team. It was, It's good. That's what we wanted going into playoffs, so it's a good feeling for sure. It's been a while since you've had a game like that. You admitted that you've been struggling with your shot. When you pinpoint that, what do you think the struggles were and how did you go about getting it back? Um, honestly, I don't know. I feel like if I knew what the struggles were, I wouldn't have been in a slump so long. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, like I said, you know, after the game, it's just going back to the basics, sticking and trusting in the work that I've put in. Um, and that's really it. Just, you know, my teammates are great and continue to encourage me. They're like, I don't care if you miss six of them, you keep shooting it. Um, and again, just relying and, and trusting in the work that I put in. You know, it's it's not by accident that I've gotten to this point. Um, and so, yeah, just reminding myself of that, not getting too in my head about it. And when you go through stuff like that, I mean, there's specific adjustments that you make or is it have something to do with just offense, spacing, et cetera? I mean, rest definitely helps. You know what I mean? I think we fatigue probably played a part in it. Um, do I really know? I don't know. But no, I didn't make any like huge adjustments. I just got back here in the gym with Natalie and, you know, went through my routine that I always do and just getting a good feel and, and getting reps and getting my form, like doing form shooting. Um, so yeah, again, just back to the basics. You don't have to do anything crazy because the basics are what helped me get here. You've had a pretty relatively healthy season. You did miss a game a few weeks back, you know, with a back injury. How is that right now and how are you feeling? Oh, my back's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just a crazy fluke of a thing. So it wasn't anything, you know, crazy thing. Thank goodness um, but I feel great you know it's been nice to be home for a little bit rest get a lot of sleep <laughs> sleep in my own bed you know be in my own apartment and um, but yeah I feel good it's this is the time where you want to feel your best um, heading into this postseason so yeah doing everything I can recovery wise to make sure I stay fresh all right Alicia Clark joins us almost a full season now with the Las Vegas Aces you know this fit seems perfect <laughs> how has it been for you now you've been here a good six seven months from your perspective um, I mean, it's been great. You know, I, I love coming to work every single day, um, being able to see everyone compete alongside them um, in practices and just be able to laugh and joke with them has been really nice. And it's, you know, for me to be in this type of environment, this is, um, you know, it means a lot, you know, just having a good locker room culture, a good locker room crew. And that's that's what we have here. So I've enjoyed it. I'm, you know, been extremely happy. Um, I know this was the best decision. And so being able to be here and, you know, just enjoy it makes it even better, makes it even sweeter. Has there been one or two things that maybe has surprised you a little bit that maybe you didn't expect? Uh, you know, looking like, wow, I didn't know that, and you know, this is really cool or something for the better? Um, I mean, I think just one, just off the bat, just the facilities. Like, yeah. you know, you saw videos, I saw videos and stuff before getting here, but like actually being in here, you're just like, wow, this is like for us. So that's really awesome. Um, and then two, just like the collective like wittiness of everyone on the team and sarcasm like just to be able to have a group that can like so seamlessly like communicate and joke and like understand and be in that space with one another is rare you know what I mean so we have a lot of really funny people on this team um, and that's something that's really surprising because you know you see it and you just never know if it's like a, an act but like being here it's like oh no wow they're actually really funny this right. is great <laughs> <laughs> you played with three WNBA teams and of course you played with several teams overseas what would be the biggest difference for you with this team compared to other organizations whether it's in the league or abroad uh, um, I mean, abroad, I don't compare WNBA teams to teams abroad just because it's just completely different. Um, access to resources and those types of things. Um, although my time in Lyon was great. Like, we had, um, you know, a gym for us and, you know, had great access to, like, great uh, amenities and things like that. But it's still... 
you know, it's not the same. I had to, we had to go places to get things. It wasn't in-house. Um, but here, again, just having everything right here for us. Whatever we need resource-wise, medical team-wise, um, recovery-wise, you know, we have that here. And it's, it's just for us. So um, I think just the top-down, like the collective vision, the collective accountability, um, is something that's really important and crucial. And that was something, you know, I, I pinpointed and honed in on during free agency was accountability from the top down. And, I mean, it trickles all the way through the players. And, you know, when you have that type of culture, um, that's when, you know, special things happen. So, again, I'm just I'm grateful to be here and love coming into work every day and, and being around the staff and these players. Um, it, it makes it enjoyable. Have you thought about ahead down the road? Would you like to end your career here? Oh, yeah, I'm not going anywhere else. I'll be here in Vegas to retire, so. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. I love it. <laughs> hey, you've t- look at the stuff on the court. You've turned into the team's kind of defensive lockdown defender now and mostly guarding a lot of the other team's bigs. Mm-hmm. How do you like those assignments? Great. I mean, it's what I've been doing my whole career. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what I've hung my hat on. Like, it might be a little different now because it's more like post players, but, I mean, it's post and guards now because I'm playing more four. But that's something I take pride in, you know what I mean? Um, The way that I study, the way that I prepare, um, I know nobody in the league is doing that. And so that's something that I take pride in. So regardless of, you know, if it's their best four player or their best two guard or whatever it is, like um, I'm up for the challenge. And that's something, you know, that I'm going to make sure that I'm doing my part on because, you know, I've been in this position where, you know, I'm the defensive leader and the defensive go-to in that space. Um, and I know our team goes as I go in that way. So I take, you know, a tremendous amount of pride in that um, and a tremendous amount of responsibility in that and making sure I show up and, they, and that my teammates can, you know, hang their hat on that, trust in that I'm going to be consistent in that space and they know what they're going to get. One game lead for the number one seed, home court advantage throughout the playoffs, and we got a New York team that's charging right behind. Mm-hmm. How do you think you guys have handled this situation down the stretch? Uh, I mean, good. You know, for us, we've been, from day one, like our, our focus has been on the Las Vegas Aces. It hasn't been about who's, uh, what other team, any other players. It's been about us. Like, are we being the best? Are we showing up as our best every single night? Um, and so, yeah, like having some injuries, having, you know, two big injuries from the team just being removed, it, that hurts, you know, but we were able to step into that um, and really keep pushing. And, yeah, we lost some games, but it's part of it. You're not going to win them all. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, for us, it was more so about just making sure we got back to our fundamentals and our basics. And so, you know, we've always been like it's the Las Vegas Aces versus the Las Vegas Aces because once you start worrying about what other teams are or aren't doing, um, you lose focus of who you are and lose focus of what matters, and that's in-house. And so we've always been in-house from day one of training camp, and that's not going to change now. So we know we, we hold our destiny, and um, we want to make sure that we're playing the right basketball and playing the right way going into playoffs, and it starts, you know, in Phoenix. Good luck tonight. We'll see you on the court. Right. Continue success. Thanks, TC. Alicia Clark, uh, one of the best, no doubt about it. Ace is another huge favorite here tonight, Marco. I, there's a lot of injuries with the Phoenix Mercury and a team that's nine and 29. And this was the opening round of the playoffs last year between the Aces and the Mercury. The Aces swept them. Uh, different team, different scenario, but, uh, this crowd is, it's going to be a sellout crowd here tonight. That's surprising that you got a sell, sellout crowd there. That's surprising, TC, uh, that they got the sellout. And I think it's as much of 
the aces being there than it being the final game, you know, for Phoenix. Cause as you said, it's been a disappointing season, you know, uh, to go from the playoffs last year to the record they have this year. And then, you know, the drama with, you know, Brittany Griner coming, you know, back this season and that. So it just, it's a season that you want to sweep away and, you know, forget and move on to next year, but it is a chance for them to play spoiler. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they somehow pull an upset on their home floor, uh, it's going to make Sunday very interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as, uh, you know, locking down the uh, home court. All right. So I got the breaking news for you right here, guys. So uh, the Aces, as you know, they're 32 and 6 with two games left. The Liberty have one game left. All right. Aces currently have a half of a game lead uh, right now because the Liberty's 32 and 7. The Aces can actually secure. The number one seed tonight with a victory over Phoenix and a Minnesota victory over the Chicago Sky. Because if the two teams are tied at the end, the Aces and the Liberty, the tiebreaker is head-to-head competition. So it went 2-2 two and two during the regular season. They don't count the Commissioner's Cup game, which the Aces lost to the Liberty. So it's 2-2 two, two regular season. But the next tiebreaker is what is your record, each team's record, against teams that are above 500. And if Minnesota beats the Chicago Sky, they will get to 500, and the Aces would have the better record than the Liberty is over those teams. So they could actually clinch it tonight, and Sunday's game may not mean anything. That's interesting. Now, if Minnesota... Um, I don't have their record in front of me. Are they one? Are they one game under? Under five hundred, correct? Yeah. But do they have another game to play? Uh, no, that's why. Yeah. Okay. T- yeah. Tonight's it. Yeah. So that's that's the dealio with them. Well, the Ace Aces fans got to be uh, Minnesota <laughs> fans tonight, right? Which uh, I fully endorse because great people in that organization. Uh, and again, uh, great food options there by the, in that arena. Of and by that, uh, great. I, li- I really like the Minnesota Lynx people. They've treated me very, very nicely. And our good friend, Kayla McBride, you know, for the Minnesota Lynx. I want to see them in the playoffs and see them get to 500 and, uh, and help the Aces out. So they're an underdog tonight. They're a four point underdog at Chicago. Yeah. The game's at Chicago. And yeah. that's kind of a flip of, flip, flip of a coin type of a game. All right. Uh, appreciate Alicia Clark, uh, for taking, taking time and joining us and, uh, We'll see her back on the floor here in a few hours. When we come back, it is that time where we reconvene for our best bet segment here on our Friday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Hey, this is Steve Heitner, and lucky you, you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Uh, that's gold, baby, gold. Back here in the Footprint Center in Phoenix, Arizona, getting ready for the Aces and the Mercury tonight. T.C. Martin here, Marco D'Angelo back in the studios in Las Vegas. And uh, don't forget to be back at the Westgate Las Vegas Inside the World Famous Superbook next Friday. We were there yesterday to kick off the NFL season. Saw the Detroit Lions upset the Kansas City Chiefs 21-20. to And uh, we are underway for the NFL season. Week number two of the college football season coming up here uh, this weekend with a lot of great games. But with the opening week here, first week of September, on a Friday, you know what that means. It is back. Our best bets. It's Football Friday and time for the weekend's action. Here's the best bets. 
All right. Like I said, I'm coming to you live from Phoenix. Marco D'Angelo is in Las Vegas. And our good friend Trevor Maddich, I believe in Nashville, Tennessee, getting ready to do his thing for ESPN College Football like he does doing the marathon on Saturday. Trev, what's going on, brother? PC, Marco, I am excited about getting going this season. Got to stay within distance of Marco and you that I can just see you guys up there in the distance, at least if I can see your dust. <laughs> so let me tell you something, Trev. Just in the last segment, Marco wants to just, like, call a halt to the show and wants to say, TC, I, I want three food bets with you. I want to do best uh, record overall NFL, best record against you college, oh, and best record combined overall. So let's have three food bets. And I said, sure, I'm on. How come you didn't offer that to Trevor, Marco? That's what I want to know. Well, he's not here for me to feed on a weekly basis like I had to do last year every time you got lucky. <laughs> I got lucky. Uh, no, I, I, no, the real reason is that if uh, if Marco wins and I have to buy him dinner, it's a normal dinner. If I win and he has to buy me dinner, it will cost him. He'll have to mortgage his house just for that one dinner. <laughs> this is true. That's how much food I eat. <laughs> All right, Trevor Maddich is with us. We're giving you our three best college plays, three best NFL plays. Trev, kick us off here on college football week number two. All right, college football week number two. I've got Texas State plus 13.5 at UTSA, Texas San Antonio. UTSA should win this game. They are, they've got an experienced quarterback. There's a lot of good things that are going on with that team. But Texas State is coming off a big win against Baylor. And a lot of people think it was just Baylor playing poorly, but I don't think that's the case. I actually think that it was about uh, Texas State and their new offense with head coach G.J. Kinney, who was the head coach at Incarnate Word last year and led the FCS in scoring at 52 points a game. And so he, he's got a wide-open offense, brought in a ton of transfers, just like Coach Prime did at Colorado, and on offense it seems to be working. I don't think that Texas State will win the game, but I think their offense is good enough that it will hold serve against UTSA. So I'm saying take Texas State and the points. Trevor, I got to I got to add something real quick here. I mean, you mentioned Incarnate Word, who beat my alma mater, Sac State, last year in a game that was played in the '60s, and I was there firsthand to witness that. And what an offense! You're right, Incarnate Word had a heck of an offense. Yeah, it, it is wide open. And, and speaking of Incarnate Word, Washington State's quarterback lit the world on fire as a freshman at yes. Incarnate Word two years ago. Yes. Last year, transferred up to Washington State, threw for over 3,000 yards, 28 touchdowns in that Incarnate Word-style air raid for the Cougars in Pullman. Or, uh, yeah, Pullman. And right now, this week, Washington State is getting six points versus Wisconsin at home. And I like Washington State. Last year, Wisconsin was ranked 19th in the country. Washington State transfer, traveled to Madison, Wisconsin, and beat Wisconsin on their home turf. Now Wisconsin is coming back. They'll be looking for some revenge to play Washington State on the Cougars' home turf, ranked 19th in the nation again. But I think, once again, Washington State will be able to hold serve on offense. Wisconsin is playing a, a version of the air raid offense as well. Their running attack last week against Buffalo did really well, but the, the passing game was very clunky. It brought in Tanner Mordecai, transfer quarterback from SMU, and just the passing attack just didn't roll. Where Cameron Ward 
last week in Washington State against Colorado State, the passing attack was in full flower, man. It was just really great. And so I just think Washington State can hold serve. And Marco, you know how I love the, the home underdog. So I've got Washington State plus six versus Wisconsin. And then the third grain is, is what, Marco, you know how much I, I love the, the road dogs, um, or excuse me, the road favorites, and I hate the home underdogs. So Boise State is hosting UCF. UCF is giving up three and a half points. I've got UCF and lay the points. The reason is the Boise State last week against Washington just got torched by the Washington passing attack, just torched. And UCF doesn't have quite the talent and the ability but they can do a lot of things that Washington can do. The UCF quarterback, John Rice Plumley, is not Michael Penix Jr. of the Huskies, but he is very good. And last week he put up tons of numbers, but he had three turnovers, two picks and a lost fumble. I don't think that will happen to Rice Plumley two weeks in a row. I think UCF on defense has some disruptors up front. And I think that John Rice Plumley, at quarterback, has enough of an edge over Kalen Green of Boise State that just that position alone leads me to want to lay the three and a half with UCF at Boise State. I like Trevor's plays. All right, Marco, what do you got on the college side? Uh, we're going to come out swinging right out of the gate, <laughs> me and Trevor. I'm opposite you on one play, and that is the Washington game. The Luke Fickle uh, error started last week. It was a ho-hum win, 38-17 to over Buffalo. After the game, Luke Fickle said about his team, the team was sloppy. They had a lot of things to clean up. Too many missed tackles, wide receivers dropping balls, and his quarterback throwing interceptions. I like a coach that makes his team accountable. And let's face it, new offensive scheme, new defensive scheme, you come in, it takes time. I think they will be much improved this week. He'll clean some things up. And you mentioned it. Washington State went into Madison last year and beat them. They're not going to forget that. I'm taking the Badgers, and I'm laying the points on the road. That's play number one. Play number two, Notre Dame at NC State. Yeah, we're all in love with Notre Dame because they're scoring points. They're knocking the snot out of people. But it was Navy who was horrible this year and Tennessee State. So what? People are looking at the NC State game where they only won by 10 over Connecticut. They were on the road. That was a Thursday night game uh, for Connecticut. They were looking past them. They were looking ahead to this Notre Dame game. And if you're the NC State coach, are you going to unload the playbook against Connecticut? No, you're saving it for Notre Dame. I've got Notre Dame. Excuse me. I'm going against Notre Dame with NC State plus the 7.5. In the last one, this is the game that everybody's been talking about all week. You talk to any book here in town, they're getting all one-sided action from the public, but the sharp money's going on the other side, and I'm there. I've been on this one since Monday. I like Nebraska over Coach Prime and Colorado. Everybody's overreacting to one week. Nebraska did what they do best. They shot themselves in the foot and found a way to lose the game last week. Uh, New coach, same result. But I saw enough of Nebraska last week that I saw them clean up some things. The defense played well last week, and that's going to be the difference in this game. TCU had no answer for Colorado. Nebraska will be prepared. 
I like a team, you give me the better defense, getting points. This is an overreaction. This line in the summer was Nebraska minus seven. From one game, we're going to move this line 10 points? No, I'm not. Give me Nebraska plus the points. They pull the mild upset. Trevor, see, you like that? This is this is what handicappers do. It's like, I'm going to go with the team what they do best. They shoot themselves in the foot. I'm going to back that team. What are you talking about? Backing a Nebraska team? Have you watched this team? They're horrendous. They're terrible. They, they have, Trevor, they have not gotten any better for, from last year, correct? Yeah, they've gotten a lot better from last year. <laughs> they're tackling better. They're better in the trenches. And they had that game won until they did what Marco said they do. <laughs> Two late turnovers is what led to Nebraska losing that game. Although I, I wanted to make this one of my picks. I wanted to go with Nebraska, but I couldn't do it, Marco. And the reason is that even with the, the fact that I believe Nebraska will win in the trenches, I don't think Nebraska has the team speed to handle some of the guys on the perimeter on the Colorado offense, and I think that Shador Sanders is a massive quarterback advantage for Colorado over Jeff Sims of Nebraska, should he even start. So I just, but I didn't want to pull the trigger on Nebraska much like they do on their own foot because I was worried about that Colorado quarterback and the speed on the edge. So you've got this one on your own. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I am going to go with this one. We're going to start here with Cincinnati against Pitt. I think this is going to be actually a bounce-back season for the Cincinnati Bearcats. They got Emory Jones as their quarterback, and, and Jones last week was 19 for 23, 345 yards and five touchdowns. Now, granted, they were playing Eastern Kentucky, but they scored 66 points, and I don't care. You know, these teams that are putting up that kind of numbers, I don't care who the opponent is, but when I look at these these quarterbacks, the accuracy – when you're only missing on four passes and you have over 300 yards, I mean, that means your timing is there. Uh, there's some good chemistry there. And I think Cincinnati getting seven at Pitt uh, is is a great spot. So I'm going to get on the, the Bearcats in this one. And Cincinnati also has a nasty D as well, too. And, again, this team kind of, uh, you know, fell below the radar a little bit. Uh, I know they had a concentrated effort, you know, you know, during camp to say, "Hey, we got to get that nastiness back." And I think they're going to sh- the show up against Pittsburgh, and especially getting a, a, a touchdown. And Cincinnati has some very good skill position players, so give me the Bearcats plus seven against the Pitt Panthers. Oregon is taking on Texas Tech. Bo Nix has actually been on this big stage for quite some time. His time in Auburn, where he didn't have a whole bunch of success, but now he's heading to his second year at Oregon, and I like Bo Nix. 23 for 27 last week, again, against a lesser opponent. But Oregon scored 81. They scored 81 points last week. And they're facing a Texas Tech team that lost in double overtime to Wyoming. And I bring that up because that's a long football game to start your opener. Okay. And granted, I get it. You know, you get, you know, five, six days off. But still, I do not like this matchup. Oregon has way too much team speed. And I think this is going to be a big season for the Oregon Ducks. Remember, there is still no D in Lubbock, Texas. Oregon is better on both sides of the ball. I will lay a small price with the Oregon Ducks laying six at Texas Tech. And then, yes, all three of us are on this game. Washington State and Wisconsin. Oh, who am I going with here? Well, 
I'm joining you, Trevor Maddich, because Wisconsin is a mess. As I like to call it, they have got the hot mess express going right now. The past three years, and they cannot find a quarterback. All right? Look where they've been, okay? I got horny brooked game after game going back three years ago. Then I got Graham Mertz after that. And now what? You get, um, they're going to get mordecai all right, you're getting horny brooked, you're getting merched, and you're getting Mordecai. And Mordecai, no thank you from SMU. And the big change of, of, of philosophy with offensive uh, uh, mindset and playbook here from SMU to Wisconsin. And Washington State has no conference, but guess what? They've got an offense and they got a quarterback. Cam Ward, 37 for 49 for 451 yards last week, three touchdowns. All right. Yes, they beat Wisconsin. I'm not buying into any revenge factor because Wisconsin doesn't buy into that. This team is just a mess. And now they're going to have to go to the Palouse, and we're getting six points in this game. Washington, rather, Wisconsin traditionally struggles against wide-open spread offenses, and Washington State has a much better attack even this year than they had last year. So give me the Washington State Cougars at home, plus six, probably win the game outright against the Wisconsin Badgers. To the NFL we go. Trevor Maddich, hit us. Well, Marco, you know how I love those home underdogs. So give me Cleveland plus two at home against Cincinnati. Now, this is really a play, first of all, in the trenches because I think the Cleveland defensive line is much better than the Cincinnati offensive line. And when you figure that Cincinnati uh, has had their starting quarterback, Joe Burrow, miss most of camp because of an injury, I don't know that Cincinnati will have that kind of chemistry coming into this game, especially when you consider, for those who like trends, that Cincinnati has lost five straight at Cleveland. So I think they're going to lose six straight at Cleveland. I think I'll take the two points, but I think the Browns win outright. And I really think it's going to be because they're going to be ahead from a chemistry standpoint and because I think their defensive line is going to take over. Now, Marco, you know how I love the home favorites. So the Washington Commanders are at home giving seven to the Cardinals. Normally, I would not lay seven points with the Commanders if they were playing anybody, like Maryland, if they were playing Rutgers, I wouldn't be laying seven points. But in this case, I will. And the reason is, what a hot mess. You're talking about the hot mess express, TC. The Cardinals are a hot mess. I mean, just an ugly, nasty, awful hot mess. Their starting quarterback, Kyler Murray, is still recovering from an ACL injury, a knee injury. They just cut their backup quarterback who started all the preseason games for him, Colt McCoy. That leaves them with Joshua Dobbs, who is a journeyman, who is nobody's solution at quarterback. I love him, but he just hasn't proven he's anybody's solution. Or fifth-round rookie Clayton Toon out of Houston. So one of, two guys, one of those two guys is going to start a quarterback for the Cardinals at Washington. Washington has one of the most disruptive defensive lines in the entire NFL led by a couple of all pros at tackle in Deron Payne and John Alexander. And they got a bunch of other guys that can play on that side of the ball. And so for the Cardinals to push, you know, or for, let's put it this way, for Washington to push, I think they'll just have to score one touchdown and keep the Cardinals defense and special teams from scoring because I just don't know how the Cardinals offense is going to be able to score. So give me the commanders laying seven at home against the Cardinals. Then, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are traveling to New England to play the Patriots. Philly is laying four points 
And I say take the Eagles and lay the points. So once again, this is a play for defensive line of the Eagles versus offensive line of New England. The New England offensive line, all training camp, has had issues with illness, with injury. They have not had their regular starting five play together yet this camp. They're just a hot mess on that offensive line. And behind them, at quarterback, Mac Jones, his QBR when he's under pressure last season is 4.5. 100 is perfect. 50 is average. Jones was 4.5 when pressured. So I think the Eagles, even though they lost some guys you know, off of last year's team, I think that the Eagles' front is still going to get after Jones, and it's going to be a long day, and I take the Eagles and lay the four. And that's three, right? You got it. Yeah, that's it. Marco, what do you got? Retort. All right, we're going to start right off the bat. I agree with one of your plays, and I disagree with one of them. I'll go quick on the one that we agree on. That's Cleveland. I'm taking Cleveland plus two. Division home dog on opening week. Division dogs opening week, period, road or home. Division dogs 64-44 and against the spread. Uh, so that's a stat that I'm not going to step in front of. Plus the fact Deshaun Watson last year was just a, a mess. He wasn't able to go to camp and uh, didn't get to play till late in the season. Didn't get any, you know, that chemistry going with the team. Now he's gone through a full training camp. This is why they paid him all the money. He needs to deliver. It starts on Sunday with Cleveland. The one we disagree on. And Trevor, the reason... History repeats itself is because nobody listened the first time. And I'm going to give you a stat, and that's it on this game. The Super Bowl loser since 1990, if they are on the road in week one, if you bet against them, you would have gone 15-2 and against the spread. I'm not stepping in front of that. I'm going to take Bill Belichick. He has given the endorsement to Mac Jones uh, for the uh, quarterback job. We've got Bill O'Brien there. We're going to have an offense that's going to have more wrinkles in it this year. It was a very bad offense last year uh, with the offensive coordinator, Matt Patricia, gone. Take New England plus the points, and don't be surprised if they went out right. And the last one. This is the Green Bay Packers. Everybody is writing them off because there's no Aaron Rodgers. Let's give Jordan Love a shot here. The Green Bay Packers have owned Chicago. Now Aaron says he owns them, but we'll see this week. I'm not sold on Justin Fields. It's a pick-the-winner situation. I'm going to go with Green Bay. I think they're going to be better than people think and nobody knows what to think on Jordan Love because we haven't seen a game plan for a season designed for him and they don't know what's coming. Take Green Bay. All right guys my NFL theme here is garbage. You know I don't like garbage so I'm going against garbage this week. All right I'm going against the Houston Texans. I know it's a big line. It's nine and a half for Baltimore. C.J. Stroud's getting his first NFL start against a tough Baltimore defense. You got a new quarterback. You got a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, a new head coach over there in Houston. Baltimore has new coordinators as well. However, 
You know, they still got John Harbaugh there. And their new defense coordinator, Mike McDonald, was actually the Michigan defensive coordinator. And guess what he did? He coached against C.J. Stroud, and Michigan beat Ohio State when he was there. So I think he's going to have a clue on, on, on how to shut down Stroud. Lamar Jackson looks good, looks healthy. Odell Beckham Jr., a lot of people are anxious to see him. Laying nine and a half, I'm not crazy about, but I think this is a situation that warrants it. Houston, just so new and tons of quarterback uh, problems there as well, too. I will go ahead and lay it with Baltimore. And I agree wholeheartedly with Trevor. I'm going to do the same thing with Washington. Lay the seven against Arizona. Go against more garbage. All right, Arizona's downright awful. The Washington quarterback situation is still in question a little bit, but the running game is not. You got Antonio Gibson. You got Brian Robinson. That's good enough for me. And then you got Ron Rivera against an Arizona team that is a mess. No question about it. I'll lay the seven with Washington. And then we go to Monday night. I'm not buying all all of the hype. I don't care. Been watching hard knocks or not. I'm going against the New York Jets and taking Buffalo and lay the two and a half. Yes, the Jets are definitely the flavor of the month, but still they have holes on the offensive line. They remember, this is a team that did not score a touchdown in their final three games last year. Granted, you have Aaron Rodgers, but everyone else is still there. All right. Remember, the offensive line is still a work in progress. It'll just be a matter of time before Rodgers starts calling out and yelling at his receivers like he's done in Green Bay, like uh, we've seen him do in training camp here. And the running back situation is in flux. Believe it or not, I mean, you got two good running backs, but they haven't been in camp. Brees Hall's coming off the, the knee surgery. And then, you know, Dalvin Cook hasn't been around. He's been there, but really no reps because he's expecting a, a child here. So I don't look for the... Jets to be able to run the ball, you know, at least immediately uh, in this season. Then you got Josh Allen, you got Stephon Diggs, you got the Buffalo D. I think that's going to be the difference. Give me Buffalo, go, go Buffalo, and lay the two and a half on Monday Night Football. If you miss any part of this show, you know where to go, tcmartinshow.com, and go to the Best Bets page. We have our own designated page there where you can get all of our picks. Marcos, Trevors, Scott Spritzers, our official professional handicappers. Gilby, then turn and myself all up there at tcmartinshow.com. Trevor, good luck to you this week, brother. Uh, we're on some same games here. I, let's just say, let's go Palouse, baby. Yeah, let's go. Crazy stuff happens up in the Palouse. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. Take care, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. All right. Uh, appreciate Numbchuck back in the studio. Marco, good luck to you, my friend. And uh, uh, betting on the Aces tonight, I'm saying 92 is the team po- team total. I know you like that. Um, good luck. That's all I got to say, brother. You know, <laughs> they, they, the Aces should be in good shape tonight. We're looking forward to calling the game tonight. All right. All right, Mark will be back with us on Monday. We'll be back in studio. We'll recap the NFL weekend, the college weekend, and a look ahead to the Monday night game between the Buffalo Bills and the Jets. Appreciate everyone for joining us. And again, if you miss any part of this, go check it out, replay it, go to the podcast section. The interview pages are all updated. The classic interview page, the current interview page, our interview with Asia Wilson's on the homepage on our Aces Breakdown. Go check that out where she scored the 53 points in Atlanta. TC Martin saying so long from Phoenix for my guys. Marco D'Angelo and Numbchuck back in the studio in Vegas. Have a great weekend. Enjoy. We're back at it Monday at 2 o'clock.